and welcome to episode 29 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to get out of an escape room. This week, we're trapped! Rather, we're discussing games that put you into a situation that you need to escape. First, we discuss a few games we've played recently, like Brass Lancashire, Paperback, and the Sunken Treasures expansion for Clank. Then we're talking about games that trap you or your characters into a space or situation that you have to work to escape and our thoughts on why this theme is becoming more prevalent in gaming or why people like it at all. Finally, we wrap things up with a look at the etymology of the word escape. And now, here are your hosts. Amby, Cassidy, and me, Crystal. Amby, I know you attended HeavyCon recently. What did you play there that was notable? I, I played a lot of games at HeavyCon. So if for those who don't know, HeavyCon is a small convention run by Heavy Cardboard, which is a podcast about heavy board games, war games, and 18xx games. So if you like the games that I talk about, you should probably listen to Heavy Cardboard too. <laughs> but the convention was really fun. I wrote a blog about it on our website. But I'm going to talk about one of the games that I played there that has been on my shame list for a long time, and that's Brass Lancashire. Brass is by Martin Wallace. It was originally published in 2007, and there was just a Kickstarter for a new printing with Brass Lancashire and Brass Birmingham, which is a new, different Brass game. But in Brass, you're building up industries and routes, and you're trying to get a bunch of points. And there's different types of buildings that you can build up and different levels. And you have to start with the lower level buildings. And whenever you use buildings, you flip them over, and it increases your income track, which gives you more income at the beginning of each round. And it also has points on each building that you score. There's two ages in the game, and you score at the end of each one. But after the first age, all of the level one buildings and all the routes you built in the first age go away, and you have to build up again. So when I was playing, I was trying to like get to the level two and higher buildings as fast as I can so I could score them twice, and then I wouldn't have to rebuild as much too. And in Brass, you have a hand of cards, and to do your actions, you play or discard your cards. So most of the time, it doesn't matter what card you're playing to do your action, except for if you're building buildings. For that, you need either the city card you're building in or the type of building that you're building, and you need to be connected to the city through your routes. Because the cards don't matter most of the time, there's a bunch of mitigation, but there's still like a little bit of luck. Another thing that was interesting is that turn order is determined by how much money you spent in the last turn. So it costs money to build buildings and build stuff. But if you spent the least, you get to go first the next turn. So you could save up, like not spend anything in one turn. You can also get loans, and that doesn't cost anything. So you can save up for a big turn. But then after your big turn, then other people go first and take whatever good stuff is next. So that was pretty interesting. I liked Brass. I really like building up my income, even though it's not worth anything at the end of the game. But I like having, <laughs> I like having income a lot um, because then I get Who money during the game. Right. Yeah. Who doesn't and, like money? <laughs> um, but so one thing confusing about it is that the income and score track was the same track, but they're separate things. So you have to keep track of scoring because you score in the mid game and then add on to that score at the end game. But the income track is the same track. We were playing the prototype of the new Kickstarter version, so I assume maybe there will be like different player pieces to keep them separate. But when we were playing, it was like the same blocks that we were using, so that was a little confusing. Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I enjoy the game. There's some randomness in the cards if you don't like that, but it's mostly mitigated. And since the buildings and the board gets wiped kind of mid-game, you you never get a really big empire. 
but it's still fun to like build up the buildings and you get to build it up again in the second half. So I really enjoyed that. And that's Brass Lancashire. I actually backed it on Kickstarter, so I'm looking forward to mm. getting that. Yeah, and the Kickstarter is a deluxe version with nice poker chips and fanciness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take it to a very, uh, a much easier level of gameplay <laughs> and talk about paperback. Which is one of my favorite deck builders. So it's paperback one of my was... favorites too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> hey, we all agreed on a game. <laughs> oh my gosh, that doesn't happen that often, I feel. Or maybe it does. I don't know. We all just gravitate toward different things, but some games we all like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> paperback was originally released in 2014 as a Kickstarter from Fowers Games, which is Tim Fowers, for those of you that don't know. It plays two to five players in about 45 to 60 minutes. Paperback is what happens when someone decides that Dominion and Scrabble need to be one game. <laughs> <laughs> And again, it's one of my favorite deck builders. Oh, and on a related note, he did just have his new Kickstarter get fully funded called Hardback. And that has a paperback expansion with it. And it is available to pre-order through Kickstarter right now. I backed both the new one and the expansion, and I'm very excited (laughs) about it. In paperback, each player is going to start with a hand of 10 cards. Five of them will be letters, R-S-T-L-N, and the other five are wild cards, which will actually give you victory points at the end of the game. On the table, just like with Dominion, you're going to have stacks of cards that you can purchase. In this case, the cards are additional letters to build your wards with, Um, along with fame cards, which are, again, wild cards that are victory points at the end of the game. There are I think four, maybe five different sets of fame cards. I think it's four. And the more expensive it is, the more victory points you'll get for that at the end of the game. Each person in paperback is going to draw five of their ten cards, and then they're going to build a word. In the beginning, you're going to see a lot of very simple words because you don't have a lot of letters to work with. There is uh, a common letter pool, which is all vowels in Whatever vowel is on the top of that is what you'll get to use. So if there's an O, you can use an O in your word and still get points from that. The The points are used to purchase the cards that are in the middle to make better, longer, bigger, more interesting <laughs> words. <laughs> Some of the words that you purchase from the center or letters that you purchase from the center are actually double letters. So like a T and E together on the same card, meaning when you use that, you would use both of those letters and not just one some of them actually have additional abilities too so if you have an s and the ability says if this is used at the end of the word you get an extra extra money or extra something to um, help you purchase new new cards the end game is triggered in two different ways the first is losing all the common letters the common letters get lost when people build bigger words so the the first person to build a seven-letter word is going to get the top common letter and then eight, nine, ten, and I think up to 11 letters. The other end condition is two of the stacks of fame cards have been depleted. And at the end of the game, whoever has the most points in fame wins. And that's paperback. It is such a cool game. And it's actually one of the first games that I did a written review of when I was writing for a website called wethenerdy.com a couple of years ago. 
And it's funny because then I was talking about my review in comments online elsewhere, and Tim Fowler was part of that conversation and saw something I had said about it and asked if he could put a quote from me on the paperback website. Mm. And I said yes, and it is still up on the paperback <laughs> website to this day. That's awesome. So, yeah, if you go to paperbackgame.com, there's a quote from me on the page. So if that's not a, an advertisement that I like that game, I don't know what is. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go into expansion territory, which we don't, I don't think we do too often. We generally talk about base games, but I want to talk about Clank Sunken Treasures. I really want to play it, by the way. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) So we've discussed the deck building. Oh yeah, it's deck building. Two deck builders in a row. (laughs) Uh, We've discussed Clank on the show before. But I just recently acquired the Sunken Treasures expansion, which adds two new boards, new items, and some new mechanics. The Sunken Treasures expansion was published in 2017 from Renegade Game Studios, and it must be used with the base game of Clank. It is not a standalone expansion. So even though we've talked about Clank before, a quick recap for those who are unfamiliar. In Clank, each player is an adventurer trying to go down into a dungeon and collect the most treasure without waking up and getting hurt by the dragon. Players each build their own deck of cards, which allow them to move, attack monsters, and buy new items. And when players create Clank, aka Noise, via some of their decisions, cubes get added to the board and eventually the dragon bag, and they get pulled out every time the dragon attacks. And when your cubes are pulled out, you take damage. Uh, In true Press Your Luck style, the farther a player wanders into the dungeon, the more difficult it is to get back out once endgame has been triggered, either by another player's death or their escape from the top of the board. So in Sunken Treasures, there are now underwater spaces added to the board that players cannot remain in for multiple turns, or they take damage, unless they've acquired scuba gear, which is a new item for the market. There's also new... There's a new generic enemy. So in Normal Clank, anytime you're on a space, you can always choose to fight a goblin that is always available to get one gold. In Sunken Treasures, if you're in water, you can always choose to fight the goldfish, which is a little harder to defeat, but gives you three gold when you beat it. So it's a really good way to get money. There's also lots of new cards added to the deck with new creatures and items that are thematically water-based. And the board also contains some new movement rules, such as when an adventurer moves from a non-water space to a downward into a water space, they make clank because the noise of them splashing into the water creates it which i thought was cool and thematic and there's one space on the board that's like this giant waterfall and if you can move from like really high up on the board to pretty far down onto the board but you create three clank when you do it and you can't i don't think there's a way to mitigate that clank at all like you can't spend extra movement points to mitigate it so you have to make a lot of noise if you want to use that cool movement space basically i love clank sunken treasures is just more awesomeness And uh, I have to give a shout out to Game Surplus, the uh, website that I bought Sunken Treasures and Clank from. They uh, kindly tossed in a Clank promo card for me with my order that I did not ask for and that (laughs) I did not know was coming. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, they sent me the the Gen Con 2016 Dire Wolf promo card for the game. And I thought that was really cool of them. So shout out to Game Surplus. You guys are awesome. Thanks for the great customer service. I appreciate (laughs) it. And yeah, Sunken Treasures, awesome. If you like Clank, this is a must-get in my mind, because now you have four boards to choose from and lots of new options, and it's wonderful. 
Yeah, I love Clank, and I know when I finally purchase it, I'll just be purchasing both together. That's what I did, because I had been playing other people's copies of Clank and multiple times, and then I finally was like, I'm just going to buy it. And I was like, man, I'm just going to buy it and the expansion now, <laughs> because why not? And yeah. I do not regret that decision at all. For this week's thematic segment, we are talking about being trapped or having to escape something or being confined in some kind of a space that isn't a real space because we're playing a board game. So we the obvious talking point for this category is the super hot escape room games that are kind of all over the place right now. But there are actually a number of non-escape room games that would fit in with this theme as well. Ambie and Cassidy, have you guys played any of the currently hot, hot, hot escape room games? Nope. I have. I I really love escape rooms. I've played some real ones too. And I've played Escape Room the Game, Escape... Uh, the one that's the Stargazer's Manor that was at Target. I just played Exit the game, the abandoned cabin, which was my favorite so far of all of them. And that's the one where you can like write on the pieces and rip them up. But yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, I've also played, I've played two of the three Exit games. I've played the abandoned cabin and I've played the Pharaoh's Tomb. Mm-hmm. And then I've done two of the four scenarios from the boxed version of Escape Room, the game. I've done okay. uh, the Prison Break and Virus, which is the one in like a laboratory. So I've done four different ones from two different systems. I haven't, uh, I haven't tried any of the Unlock ones, which I've heard are really interesting and cool. Mm-hmm. I-, I did the print and play version of Unlock, but I haven't done any of the other ones. And I okay. liked that one. But yeah, I really like solving puzzles and stuff. So that's what I like about escape rooms. The, well, you're, it's time, so there's pressure. And then also you're trying to solve these puzzles. <laughs> and Cassidy does not like that. <laughs> She's yeah, like shaking her great. head in the video. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like it would make me anxious and nervous and I don't want to do it. <laughs> well, what's, I think what's nice about these games, and I'm not quite sure how they all do it per se, but... Every time I've played, just about everybody I'm playing with has contributed in some way. Like, it, you mm-hmm. feel like, oh, well, if you have a really good puzzle solver in your group, they're going to do everything. But it's never worked out like that because there's enough pieces and parts that assuming that you're playing with, like, a good number of people, which, like, the exit games say you can go up to six. I wouldn't ever do more than four, I think, with yeah, those. I did four but, and it was good. Like, there's enough things to go around that everybody's going to be looking at something. And every time mm-hmm. I've played, everybody has figured out one thing or another. And it was cool because it really feels like as a group you're solving it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what I like about real ones, too. That's I just visited my very first actual escape room uh, recently. And uh, holy crap, it was amazing. Which I knew I would like a real escape room, but... <laughs> So anyone, I'm going to uh, be at Dice Tower Con. Ambie will be there as well here in a few weeks. And I want to do a real escape room in Orlando while I'm there. So if you're listening to this and you're going to be at Dice Tower Con and that interests you, I might be trying to plan something. <laughs> I don't know. Or it could just be a fly by the seat of our pants kind of thing. But in case that's something that would interest you, uh, send me a message on Twitter or something and let me know because that's something that I want to do. Yeah, I've never done an escape room either, so I just, I don't know. If you have someone that, like, owns Escape Room the game, or you come across it, those games take at max an hour, because there's a timer. So I feel like if you wanted to dip your toe in just to see 
if you would even possibly like it, that's probably a good one because you know that at most you're committing 60 minutes of your life and then it could be over. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I know I'll try eventually. It's just based off of description alone. It sounds like (laughs) not my jam. (laughs) That makes sense. So what are some other games that aren't escape rooms, but that kind of have a similar you're trapped and you have to get out feel? So one thing that I was thinking of because it also has like the similar trying to solve puzzles to get out kind of is time travel theme. So like time stories and tragedy looper are both Oh yeah. um time travel you're trying to fix the time. So you're trying to like get out of the bad time kind of. So it's kind of like escaping. <laughs> and it, and there's a lot of pressure in time stories. No yeah. spoilers in case anyone's worried, but because Bob, you're the guy that's like in charge of your group is always so, so angry at you when you get it wrong. He's His so face mean. is always He's so, like, mean-looking in all of the pictures. I don't want to disappoint you, Bob, and I don't know how to fix it. (laughs) Yeah, I still haven't played Time Stories either. (laughs) You're busy playing other awesome games. Yeah, but I was just talking to people the other day about it, and everyone was amazed that I hadn't played, and I said, well, everyone everyone that I would have played with has already played. So... Uh. What do I do? <laughs> that is an myself. interesting conundrum. Because, yeah, you can't replay them. I mean, I, ma- I imagine after a certain amount of time has passed, you could probably go back to them. But a lot yeah. of the magic in those games comes from the surprises. And there are certain surprises that are memorable enough that I would never forget them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. As far as games that you're, you feel like you're trapped or you're escaping, I think Betrayal would be a good fit. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good one. You're, I mean, the whole theme of betrayal is you're a group of people who is trapped in a house and you can't get out. <laughs> so. There's some evil thing that you may or may not be able to end and you don't know what it is. Ah, at least in the beginning anyway. <laughs> I know I said in an episode a while back that I was planning on playing more of the Widow's Walk scenarios and reporting back. But I have not done that, which is <laughs> clearly not a good sign for Widow's Walk and its problems. But... Uh, I am, even though the game has so many issues, I'm weirdly excited by the fact that just recently they announced that they're doing a new version of Betrayal at House on the Hill that's Dungeons and Dragons themed called <laughs> Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. I don't know why, but I'm super excited about that. And I guess <laughs> I still have hope that they're going to fix the mechanics in this stupid game. <laughs> I like I like D&D themes, so I, I could probably be behind that. It sounds super exciting. I think Escape the, T- the Curse at the Temple is also a good one for this mm. theme. It's And it's real time. So there's definitely a lot of like pressure and stress during that game, especially if you're using the soundtrack with the like music. Because yeah. then when the, the gong or whatever it is sounds and everyone has to rush back to the entrance, it's like <laughs> super crazy stressful, yeah. but a lot of fun. I've never played with any of the expansions. I've only played the base game, but I've played it a number of times and it's so quick to play. It's what, like, I think 15 minutes? 10 minutes. 10 think, minutes. Ten, yeah. I think 10 minute timer. For yeah. as much game as there, that's, it's, there's a lot there in 10 minutes mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun. And unlike all the other games that we've mentioned, this one's replayable. It's not like a one-time thing where if you know it, you already know what's happening. <laughs> That's a good point, because even betrayal, yeah, individual is. scenarios, once you know how they work, it potentially ruins it for you. Yeah. yeah. So that seems to be a common thing among like trapped escape themes, I guess. 
Well, because most of them are puzzle solving. Yeah. Once you've solved the puzzle, it's solved, right? <laughs> you don't you don't forget how you did it, generally. <laughs> there are definitely some that don't fit that designation, though. Like Clank that I was just talking about mm. earlier, I would say kind of technically counts because especially once end game gets triggered, if you're underground, you have to like super rush and try and get back out before the dragon kills everyone. And that, I mean, you're basically trapped underground trying to escape. So I would say it kind of qualifies. Yeah, because if you're stuck underground, you did. <laughs> you did. And you literally get zero points, which every time that's happened to somebody and I have to track it in my BG stats app, I feel really bad. <laughs> I'm like, and zero points for this person. Like, that doesn't feel like I kind of feel like maybe it would be nice if you could count their points, but they can't win. You can do that if they get I above like, ground while they're right. still in. Yeah, because then the, the villagers the come villagers and pick come up and their body. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny to me. I love it. What about something like Gravwell? Technically, the theme of that game is you are trying to escape from a singularity, a black hole in space. And you're trying to, you're playing cards and drafting cards to try and do that. Would that count as an escape type game? I can see it counting very loosely. I've played Gravwell a lot and I never, I never got that feeling that I was running away from something or trying to escape something. I'm just like, hey, I'm the ship and I'm trying to go this way and that's the way I want to go. Yeah, I think it probably kind of does feel a little more like a race than yeah. an escape because mm-hmm. you're competing against the other ships to get to the finish line technically yeah do wait so does gravel count as a racing game <laughs> i've never actually thought of it that way but i think it kind of does that makes like a, a card drafting racing game that that makes the most sense to me more than a card drafting escape game that's interesting i generally do not like racing games there are very few that i enjoy and i think technically that one kind of counts i would love to hear our listeners input on that is what category you would count Gravwell as more than anything else. Oh, what about Forbidden Island or Forbidden Desert? Mm, mm-hmm. Those, yeah. I mean, you're either trapped in the desert or on an island. <laughs> and trying to get out. Trying to get and out. Trying not to die of heat stroke or drowned. Yeah. <laughs> so why, why do you guys think that so many games with, with apparently lots of different mechanics and themes and genres of games why do so many of them utilize this trapped or confinement mechanic do you think because it actually evokes feeling that may yeah when i play just a regular roll and move game i mean i don't i don't have feelings about what i'm doing really like (laughs) yes i want to win but i am not oh god i gotta get out of here right now or terrible things are gonna happen i gotta get i gotta move from this piece of the island to the other piece of the island or i'm gonna drown i mean it doesn't it doesn't have quite the same effect yeah i think it adds a lot of tension and like you you really need to get out yeah i think the tension part is a good point because i think it adds to the theme Mm -hmm. in a way that isn't mechanical if that makes sense. Like, obviously, there are mechanics like a timer and other Mm -hmm. things like that that can be utilized to create tension. But even in the games that we've mentioned that aren't real-time based and don't have dedicated timers, there is a sense of urgency created, like, on Forbidden Island. When those tiles are getting flipped over and flooding, like, I think it kind of creates a little bit of stress and tension that helps the theme shine through even more strongly. Wait, so then maybe that is... Is that the mechanic 
Or is that the... <laughs> well, the mechanic uh, is to help with the escape theme, right? Yeah. Because it's the mechanic is flipping over the tiles. And <laughs> I also have to give a shout out to my favorite Milton Bradley game from the 90s, The Omega Virus, where you're trapped on a space station and a computer virus is attempting to take over. And if you do not find the virus and destroy it in time, it blows up the space station and you all die. <laughs> <laughs> If, if you haven't played the Omega Virus and you like old school video games, especially ones with squawk boxes, the me- mechanical or the electronic components, it is one of the better older kid games. And I still own a copy of it and I still love it to this day. But I think it's a cool theme and I I don't think I'm ever going to... Well, I shouldn't say ever. I don't think I'm getting sick of this type of game anytime soon. I really, mm-hmm. I like it a lot. With Origins coming up, I wanted to take a minute to talk about a few events that are happening at one of our local tabletop cafes through uh, during Origins. Um, the cafe is actually called Tabletop Game Cafe, so it's hard to forget what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> they are having a games event on the Wednesday of Origins. And then on Thursday, they're hosting Renegade Games for a meetup that will have, of course, games, goodies, and giveaways. If you would like more information about any of these events, you can go to Tabletop Game Cafe's Facebook page. And uh, the events are both there, and the staff is pretty great about getting back quickly with questions. So I recommend going to one or both of those events. I should be at hopefully one of them. Well, that's that that's such a tease. What if they what if they desperately want to meet Cassidy from Board Game Blitz? They need to know which event. <laughs> uh, I'll definitely be at the Wednesday one uh, because that's my regular game night anyway. The Thursday one, I'm on the fence uh, because of child. I don't know if I'll be able to make it or not. Cool. Well, I hope all of our listeners who are either in the area or are going to be in the area during Origins will go check those out and say hi to you, Cassidy, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. yeah, come say hi. <laughs> I'm approachable. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll vouch for that. She is very approachable. <laughs> for this week's etymology segment, I'm going to look at the origins of the word escape. The verb form of the word escape originated in the 13th century, with its transitive and intransitive meanings being to free oneself from confinement, extricate oneself from trouble, or get away safely by flight from battle or an enemy. It finds its roots in the Old North French word escaper, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, and the Old French échapper which can be traced back further to the vulgar Latin excapere, which literal meaning was to get out of one's cape or leave a pursuer with just one's cape. And I have to pause for a moment because that's just the best definition I've ever heard. (laughs) It's literally, you're wearing a cape, someone tries to grab you, you escape and leave them with your cape. That's so good. (laughs) So the Latin root ex, E-X, meant out of, and kappa meant mantle, so literally out of your mantle. The definition of escape meaning to avoid experiencing or suffering something or avoiding a consequence came about in the late 14th century. 
So next time you need to make a great escape, don't throw a smoke bomb. Just mesmerize the other person with your etymological knowledge about the origins of the word escape. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. To support our show financially for as little as $1 a month, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our patrons get a lot of benefits, including access to our private Slack channel, where you can chat with us directly anytime. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow, technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Check out their other shows in the network by visiting dicetowernetwork.com. Until next time, well, I don't know how I'll game here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get through this lair. Pawns to the left of me, monsters to the right. Here I am, blitz in the middle with you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. That has been on my shame list for a long time, and that's Brass Lancashire. Lancashire? Lancashire Lancashire is what you said earlier. (laughs) Etymological sounds like a a difficult word to say. It really is. I'm shocked I even got it the second time. Etymological. Etymological. Yeah, no thank you. I'll never say it again. (laughs) Say bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 That part didn't copy over. <laughs> Sorry, I just figured it was obvious. <laughs> no, I, 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 no, it's not there. I didn't do it. <laughs> That's okay. And we can cut out the little awkward pause of me whispering. Yeah. <laughs>